I am so excited about this. I want to welcome you to the Purpose Project Podcast. During our time together, I will teach you how to pray, how to intentionally develop intimacy with your Creator, and challenge you to discover and embrace your God-ordained purposes. I am your host, Margie Florent. My prayer for you today is that you will be empowered and strengthened in the Word of God to move forward into your destiny. Today we're going to continue on the study of the heart of the Father. And the reason why I'm taking so much time to teach you about the heart of the Father, because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, that he that comes to God must believe that he is, and the scripture goes on to say, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So we must believe God, who he is, what his character is about, and that will help us in obtaining more results in our prayers, and it'll help build our faith in our prayer life. That yes, God does hear me when I pray, that when I approach him and I have an accurate image of who he is, I will have confidence that he's not only heard me, but I will have the petitions that I desire of him. But before we get into our teaching, I want to share a scripture with you. And it's something that I felt in my heart that you needed to hear. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 that we believers can pray for what's called a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I'm going to give you a prayer out of the Word of God that you can pray over yourself. I would encourage you to pray this prayer as often as you think of it. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 1 and we're going to begin at verse 15. And it says here, and this is the prayer, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now this is a prayer that I've been praying continually for you. As you listen to these teachings, this is something I have continually prayed for you, but I want you to understand that you can pray this prayer for yourself. And it says here, what are you praying? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. This is a prayer I have prayed for you, so that when you hear these teachings, God will open up the eyes of your heart or open up the eyes of your spirit. And what's that called is revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge is something that when you hear the scriptures, you will hear it not just with the eyes of your, your natural ears, but you'll hear it with the eyes of your spirit, and therefore it will cause you to be able to walk in the light of what I am teaching you. Prayer, 
opens up the door for God to work. When you pray, God hears you and he answers your prayers. And so as I've prayed this prayer over you, I have been believing God that when you hear these teachings, you're going to hear what I would say more than you're hearing. You're going to comprehend more than you normally would because of the power of prayer. Catherine Kuhlman once said, the greatest power given to man is the power of prayer. Like we said, prayer opens up the door for God to work. It unties the hands of God so that his will can be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. And so I would encourage you to pray this prayer. I've prayed it for you, but I want you to pray this prayer for yourself. God will hear and answer your prayers just like he hears and answers my prayers. Okay, so this prayer will work for you. Well, how do I do that, Margie? Well, you simply do this. You simply put your name in this prayer, or you could just say me. For example, it says in the scripture, uh, I pray, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me, you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray, Father, that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I would know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And I pray, Lord, that I would understand the exceeding greatness of your power toward me who believe according to the working of your mighty power, which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. This prayer will cause you to have more revelation of the word of God. Have you ever just read your Bible and didn't understand it? Well, begin to pray this prayer. And what will happen is God will begin to open up your eyes. He will begin to open up your understanding there's a scripture somewhere in the Bible that says he opened their understanding to understand the scriptures. This is what will happen to you as you begin to pray this prayer over yourself. Well, how often should I pray this prayer? Well, I would encourage you to pray this prayer every single day of your life. When you get into your devotional time with Jesus, start your prayer off or your time of, of, of intimacy with him. Start it off by praying this prayer. And this prayer will work for you. I pray this prayer probably for myself. I can't tell you how many times a day. I pray this prayer countless times a day. And there's another prayer that I pray for myself. And I don't exactly know where the reference is. But there's a scripture that says, I pray that I would be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You see, the word of God can only be understood with the heart. Faith is of the heart, and what we want is heart revelation. What we want is understanding with our heart. Because the Bible says, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. It's with the heart that we understand these things. We can get a lot of head knowledge and have a lot of things that we understand in our minds, but what we want is we want this knowledge of the Word of God to get into our spirits. And when it gets into our spirits or into our hearts, it causes us to be able to walk in the light of the word of God. And the Bible says, 
when you build your house on the word of God, when the winds come and the storms come and beat against your house, your house won't fall. Why? Because you've built your house on the word of God. So when you have the word in you and you understand the word of God and you have the revelation of who God is, your house won't fall when circumstances come your way. When challenging times comes your way, you will be able to stand. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, and having done all to stand, you will be able to stand. Therefore, you will have the confidence that God is for you. He is not against you. You will have the confidence that he is true to his nature and true to his word. So I want to encourage you to read this prayer and put your own name in it or say I and me and make it personal just for you. Okay? So we've been talking about the heart of the Father or the nature of the Father God. And we found out that Jesus um, had answered the question that the disciples had asked him. One day, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And they noticed that Jesus was a man of prayer. They noticed that he would sometimes disappear into the wilderness. Sometimes he would disappear into the desert. Sometimes he would be gone all night long and he would pray. And one day the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You know, we notice that you're always ministering out of your overflow. We notice that you're, you're successful. We notice that you're a man of wisdom and revelation. Lord, teach us how to pray. And we found out in our previous sessions that Jesus went on to answer their question. And the very first thing he said to them in response to their question was, and when you pray, say, our Father. So right from the beginning, Jesus introduced the disciples to the heart of the, he introduced the disciples to a heart of the Father. He didn't refer to God like he was referred to in the Old Testament, as a, as a taskmaster, as, as, as a God on a first name basis. He came to introduce the disciples to something different, something uh, that, would, that we would say, that something that would be a, a relationship with the God who is the father of us all. And so they, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And the revelation of the father is going to be revealed as we continue to progress in this teaching. Now, I'm just going to define the fathers. I'm just going to define from Webster's what the word father means. I know we've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. You know, the art of teaching is repeating. Just because we've heard something once doesn't mean that we have it in our spirits. So we're going to continue in this vein and we're going to continue to, to review our teaching and then we'll get into the next session. The father defined in Webster's is a male parent, the founder of a race, family, or line. Any man who exercises parental care over another or others. A person who has originated or established something, the third person of the Trinity. So Jesus said to the disciples, when you pray, pray to your father. You have a relationship with him. It goes beyond first name basis. It goes beyond calling him Jehovah Jireh. It goes beyond calling him Jehovah Nisi. It goes beyond calling him Jehovah Sidkenu. Okay? So he says, when you pray, say, our father. We found out that when Jesus came to the earth, he revealed the father to humanity. The Bible says in John 1, 17 through and 18, that no man had seen God at any time. 
And that word seen means to comprehend, to see with eyes, or to fully understand or experience. But it goes on to say, no man had seen God at any time, but Jesus came to the earth and he declared the Father. That word declared means revealed or expounded. And as a matter of fact, when Jesus was on the earth at a young age, right from the get-go at Luke chapter 2, he referred to God as his Father. When his mother was looking for him, and when he had disappeared, she found him in the temple, and he was in the temple, and his mother was upset, rightfully so, because if your kid disappears at a young age, I would be upset too. She found him in the temple, and the first thing he said to her was, his mother, don't you know that I have to be about my father's business? Jesus had a sense of destiny in him. He knew what his purpose was, and the father in him was already ministering to him. We found out also that we have a lot of statistics, a lot of negative things that if we don't have proper relationships with our father can happen to us, can happen to our sons, our daughters. We all have had experiences with dysfunctional families. Ed Cole said that the absentee father is a curse of our day, but we found out that there's help for us. We found out that the Bible says, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. So the world system can say one thing, and things could look really dark in the world, but when we turn to the scriptures, we have hope. We have help. The Bible says in Psalm 68, verse 5, that God is a father to the fatherless and a defender to the widows. We explained in our previous teaching that God wanted a family. It's true. If you think about God's nature, what is God? God is love. And it's just the nature of love to want to create, to want to have fellowship, to want to be intimate. God is love. And so therefore, we see God's nature expressed right in Genesis chapter 3 when he created Adam and Eve. He created Adam and Eve to have fellowship with him. And it's just like you know, a natural, a mother and a father. They have so much love between the two of them. They want to create children. They want to create a family. And the father is the same way. We're sons and daughters of the almighty God, and we have his nature. And the father was the same way. Right from the beginning, he wanted a family. And we find the word family throughout the word of God, the New Testament, Throughout, I did a word study last night and it was everywhere, but I'm going to quote one to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 and 15 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I love that. Do you know why I love that? I love that because we're a family. We're the family of God, and we may not be natural fleshly uh, members of one another, uh, but in the spirit, those of you that have been born again are the member of a huge, gigantic family called the family of God. And this family is in heaven, and this family is on earth. Some of us have had family members go up to be in heaven, and we're still here on this earth. Well, we're family in heaven and we're family on earth. The only thing that separates us right now are these physical bodies. 
So I love the fact that God says we're the whole family from heaven and in earth. And I think we need to think like that. I think we need to think how God thinks. When he looks upon the circle of the earth, he sees all his sons and daughters, then he calls you family, and he calls you his sons and his daughters. We said it in a previous session, your real home is heaven, and your real father is God. I know we've had earthly fathers, which you know we all have, but your real father, your spiritual father, The place you were born from when you were born again is God the Father. And he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about some more of the nature of the Father. When you hear the word Father, what does it mean to you? And it means something different to everyone depending on what kind of experience you may have had. Some of us had good fathers. Some of us had bad fathers. Some of us had issues with father issues. Some people, you know what? Everybody's got a story to tell. But there is one God and one father who is consistent. He is always the same. He doesn't change. The Bible says, I am the Lord God. I change not. If you want to know me, go into my word and I will reveal or or explain myself to you. And we find in the scriptures, I don't know where it says it, but God is a perfect father. So if you had a bad father, what we're going to do in our teaching is we're going to feed your faith on what a good father, perfect father looks like. And we're going to starve out all your fears of a father God. And that comes by renewing our mind. Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you get born again, the part of you that changes is your nature on the inside. Your spirit is alive unto God. God becomes your father. You are his son and you are his daughter. But the part of you that needs to change is your mind and your thinking. That's why we encourage you to pray. Pray, pray the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Pray that you would understand and comprehend who the Father is. And I guarantee you, he will hear your prayer and he will answer that prayer. So what did we go over? We said, first of all, that the Father provided salvation. The greatest ultimate expression of the Father's love for you was when he sent Jesus Christ into the earth And he sent, the Bible says, his only begotten son, and that it was for everyone, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The relationship between father and humanity was broken in Adam and Eve when they fell. But in Jesus Christ, that relationship is restored. When you believe in Jesus and you believe he died on the cross and you ask him into your heart and you confess with your mouth, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, you will be saved and that relationship with the Father will be restored. God's ultimate show of his love was to send his son 
so that you and I could be saved and come into right standing with the Father God. And so the very first thing that God did for us is he provided salvation. He provided a way of escape from being separated from him. And the Bible says that when you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. We found out that your father will provide for you. Right from the beginning as well, we found out that when Adam and Eve sinned and they fell, they realized that they were naked and the Bible says they hid themselves from the presence of God. Right when they sinned, fear set in. How do you know fear set in? Because the Bible says fear set in. The Bible says that Adam and Eve, when the father came to them, he said, where are you? You know, something happened. And the first thing Adam and Eve said, well, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid and I hid myself. The love and the relationship that they had with the father changed. Fear is the opposite of faith. And they'd be, instead of having faith in their father and a confidence in him, something changed and therefore they were afraid of him. And they said, and because of our fear, we found out that we were naked. We didn't have any clothes on. And they said that we hid ourselves right from the beginning. And I could just see it in my spirit. Sometimes I think we need to close our eyes and just imagine what the scriptures say. I could just see God in his loving uh, care of his children, seeing that his children had fallen. And instead of condemning them, and casting them out and being angry with them and saying, all right, well, you're naked. You know, you're on your own. No, that's not what a, a father would do. That's not what God, your father would do with you. You're his creation. And the Bible says he loves you with an everlasting love. And he wants to take care of you and provide for you. And I could just see the heart of the father stepping in. <laughs> Adam and Eve screwed up. Screwed up. They messed up, and instead of God rejecting them and going, well, you're just on your own, no, God stepped in, and he provided for them. And the Bible says that he made, made clothes for them. It says, and he made coats of skin, and he clothed them. So right from the beginning, the Father's love, his heart yearned toward them, and he said, you know what, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to provide for you. I'm not only going to provide salvation because he said he would and what God says he is able also to perform, but he immediately provided clothing for them. And God's heart's desire is to provide your material needs. People don't like to hear it. Well, what are you talking about? People don't like to hear. People don't like to hear that God likes to provide people material needs. Well, I'll tell you what, as a natural parent, I don't want my kids to be without. As a natural parent, I want my kids to have clothing. I want my kids to have food. I want my kids to be able to go to the school of their choice. And as a natural parent, you know, these are the things that come natural. This just comes natural. My desire to provide for my children. Well, how much more, the Bible says, does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to them that ask him? The scripture says, if you then being natural parents 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father want to give good gifts to them that ask him? But you've got to believe that. You've got to find out what the scripture says. You've got to not only believe it, but you've got to receive it. That's why we're doing this teaching. And I'm taking a lot of time to teach on the heart of the Father because I feel the Holy Spirit prompting me to take my time in teaching you about the Father's heart. God's will and God's purpose for you, Third John says, is that you prosper. Be in health even as your soul prospers. The Bible also says that he delights in the prosperity of his children. Well, he likes it. You know, when his children are doing well and are prospering, he's not the one that withholds from you. He's the one that wants to give to you. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes. Who's the thief? The devil. Yes, you have a devil in the world that goes about as a roaring lion. The devil, his mission against you is to kill, steal, and destroy. Think of anything that kills, steals, and destroys, and that's the devil. It's not from God. John 10, 10 is the dividing line. Anything that kills, steals, and destroys is of the enemy. But Jesus said, but I have come that you may, I have come to reveal the heart of the Father. I am the will of God in action. I am my Father's will in action. I only do those things I see my Father doing. Didn't he say that? I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Well, having provision is abundant life. God's not against people having material possessions. What he's against is people coveting, people looking to material possessions to satisfy and gratify them. Well, but Margie, you know, the Bible says that uh, money is the root of all evil. Well, did you read your Bible accurately? The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil, my friend. The Bible says... It's the love of money that is the root or at the root of all evil. God's will for you is that your needs be met. And we find that Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. He talked about God providing for you. And he said, if you know, he says, if you just look around and you look at the fields and they're so beautiful and, and there's flowers and, 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 and God has clothed the field and put all kinds of color in the earth. Jesus said, how much more does your heavenly father want to clothe you? I want you to receive that. And then he goes on to say, think about the birds of the air. They don't think about food. They don't think about provision, but the scripture Jesus was saying to them says, yet your heavenly father feeds them. He provides for them right here in nature. There is provision that God has made for you. And I would encourage you to begin to receive the things that God has said are yours and believe it. And I believe that God will do for you as you trust in him exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask hope dream or desire when you ask according to his will which is provision 
He will hear you and He will provide for you. I was going to Bible school and I was 19 years old and I didn't have a car. And I said to God, I said, Father, you said in your word that you would provide all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And that's what you said. And Father, I need a car. I need something to get around in. I need to go to Bible school and I need to go to work and I need a car. And my natural parents did not buy me a car. As a matter of fact, my natural parents didn't understand the call of God in my life. And when I went to Bible school, they were a little upset. But I knew that I was doing the right thing. And I wasn't rebellious or mean about it. I just said, Mom, I got to go to Bible, Bible school. I don't know what God has for me there, but I want to go to Bible school. So I went to Bible school. They didn't give me any money. As a matter of fact, I had $50 in my pocket. When I went from Illinois to Tulsa, Oklahoma, I went with a group of friends who were going to go to a camp meeting there, and I had $50 in my pocket and no car. So I said to God, Lord, look, just childlike faith. See, he that comes to him must believe that he is. I just went to him in childlike faith. I just came to him and I said, Lord, I need a car. And I'm asking you to provide a car for me. And this is what I said. I said, I want it to be blue. I got a little specific. I want it to be blue and I want it to be little. Long and short of it is, the first month that we were there, I was in a meeting in a church. And the pastor's wife came up to me and said, Margie, we have a family who has a car that they want to get rid of. Would you like it? <laughs> I said, yes. <laughs> I believe it was God's answer to my prayer. And sometimes when you pray for things, you don't always know where the answer is going to come. You don't always know where the provision is going to come. But when you ask, believe that you receive it. And the Bible says you'll have it, but you can't waver. So I says, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll take it. Well, when I saw that car, they, I went over to the person's house. Guess what? It was little. It was blue and it was very old, but I took that car and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for providing me this car. It was kind of a junky car, but you know what? I didn't care. At that season in my life, for me, that was God's provision. And you know, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered and established by God. And as I continue to trust God and continue to believe him for provision, the $50 I had in my pocket, one door after another after another opened up and I was able to get work. And, and in the process of time, somebody paid for part of my tuition. And it's just trusting God, my friends. I just really want to encourage you that you can trust God to meet your material needs. God desires that you prosper and be in health. He desires to provide for you. He desired to provide for me, and I'm very thankful for it. The Bible says that in James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift comes from above. That little blue car, for me, <laughs> was a good and a perfect gift, and it got me to work. It got me to school. Well, isn't that, that was God's will. He sent me to Oklahoma to go to Bible school, didn't he? Well, where God guides, he provides.
All I had to do was ask. So I would encourage you, if you have a need in your life, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if you know he hears you, you know that you have the petition you desire. I don't know why I'm getting into all this, but I'm going to continue in this vein. If you need, if you can only believe God for a pair of socks, then believe God for a pair of socks. Just begin where you are. Begin to believe him for little things here and little things there. What I do, even at this stage in my life, is every time I go to the mall, and you know how annoying that can be when you go to the mall and there's no place to park, especially around Christmas time, I always pray and I always believe God for a parking space. I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you said you'd provide all my needs. I should remind him of what he said, which he likes it when you do that. And I said, I thank you for, I'm asking you to provide me with a parking space. And I, and I, I, for me, what I do is I loose my angel to go get it. And I can't tell you how many times I go to the mall and there's this little parking space just for me. Well, you know, you're just Margie. You're just, that means that you're just, you're just one of God's favorite. I'm there's you know what there, we're all the same. God has no favorites. You're just as favored by God as I am. The Bible says he is no respecter of person. I just happen to ask. I want to encourage you. Begin to ask for a parking space. Begin to pray and believe God for a pair of socks. Just begin on some little things and God will provide for you. Now what I love about that is he shows himself strong on your behalf by these little things. And it develops that intimacy and that relationship with him. And, and you just begin to realize that, you know what? I'm not in this world by myself. I have a father who's really interested in me. And he's really concerned about the things that concern me. We're, it's kind of funny around here because we have a lot of cats on the shoot. And the cats are very special to me and very special to my team. And I remember one time, you talk about God's provision and God caring about the things that you care about. We, we had this one cat, his name was Pepperoni. And Pepperoni was so cute and so adorable. And, and he just was a, like a big fluff. And we all loved him. And he was the runt of the litter. Just a little cat advice. If you ever want to get a good cat, get the runt of the litter because they're mushes. And we intentionally got pepperoni, and he was the runt of the litter, and he was just a little softy, and my daughter Jacqueline used to carry him around and pull his hair back and kiss him all over, and he just would purr up a storm, and he, he was just adorable. Well, pepperoni developed asthma, and so as he lived with this asthma, I would always have to give him certain pills to keep him breathing. And we eventually, you know, we had to go away, and so I'm on a vacation, and this one time, I was getting ready to go. I forget where we were going, and I kept hearing on the inside of me. Remember, the Bible says, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of another they will not follow. When you know God is your father and you have him in your heart, you can hear his voice. My sheep hear my voice and the voice of another they will not follow and i kept hearing on the inside of me when i was preparing for this trip i kept hearing 
leave Joanna the number for the vet. Now, Joanna was the woman that was staying in our house to take care of our animals. Leave Joanna the number for the vet. Leave Joanna the number for the vet. How did you hear God's voice? I just was hearing his voice. It was a continual voice of peace. It was a continual voice of the good shepherd. I just kept hearing his voice. And over time, as you pray and you study the Bible and you believe for wisdom and revelation, you will develop spiritually and you will begin to hear God's voice and you'll begin to discern what's from God and what's not from God. As a matter of fact, what you hear and hear in your spirit, God speaks in here. It's the enemy that will speak here and he will pressure you and he will put fear in you. And, and so it's a different kind of, of voice. But I kept hearing, leave Joanna the number for the vet. I must have heard that on the inside of me probably about 40 times as I was packing. And I'd look over at Pepperoni and he seemed fine. And I had, a sh I had given him a shot so that he would be okay while we were gone. But I kept hearing, leave Joanna the number for the vet. Well, we went on our trip, then I didn't listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd. I didn't listen to my father. I, I f knew that something was going on, but sometimes we get so busy in life that we let some things slip. And I just kind of let it go, and I got into my head, and I just said, well, let's just go. We had, I had all the kids to pack up. We went on our trip. I got a call from Joanna, and she said, Margie, the little orange cat died. And you know what? I said to myself, God was trying to warn me to, 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 because he was so interested in my cat, he knew that it would be upsetting to me and my entire family for pepperoni to pass away. Does God care about a cat? Are you kidding me? God cares about the things that concern you. And the scripture says in Psalms 138, verse 8, I will perfect that which concerns you. So if it concerns you and it's important to you, God cares about it. So I learned a lesson that, you know what? Next time I hear that voice, I'm going to do something about it. So we're talking about God providing for all of our needs. God wanted my cat to be, God, it was not God's will that my cat die. It was God's will that my cat live and be okay. But he gave me that what I call heavenly warning and I didn't take heed to it. But we move on because some of these things that we go through are just lessons in life. And so it was a lesson in life. The next time I have that prompting, I'm going to follow through with it. Let's go on. We haven't even gotten into our, the other parts of our teaching, but this is all good anyway. We said yesterday that you're, or in our other session, that your father is there for you and will listen attentively to all of your needs, hopes, and desires. I want to read a scripture to you that I highlighted when we were in our last session, and I felt like God wanted to emphasize something in this. I'm going to repeat it. Your father is there for you and will listen attentively to all your needs, hopes, and desires. Second Chronicles chapter 7 Verse 14 and 15 says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive unto the prayers that are made in this place. So we said that God hears you when you pray. And in our last session, I found myself in a vein of how God hears the groaning of the prisoners. 
just so you know that what I teach, there's times I teach things that are new to me because the Holy Spirit is in me and I believe God that the Holy Spirit will use me to teach you. And in our last session, I said some things that, that I was teaching you and I wanted to go back and I wanted to study. God hears me when I pray. John chapter 11, we talked about how when Jesus was at the tomb of Lazarus, how he groaned in the spirit and he had tears. And then the scripture says he looked up into heaven and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and that you hear me always when I pray. And I looked through that and it was the story of Mary and Martha and how they lost Lazarus and Lazarus was dead. And the scripture goes on, you know, Lazarus was dead four days and, and they were very upset about it. You know, and here we see Jesus coming on the scene and they're like, Lord, you know, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and, and they just kept reiterating that, that message to him. And so we find in the scriptures that Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus. And verse 33, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, meaning Mary in this verse, and the Jews also who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He didn't utter any words. He just groaned in the spirit. He was upset and he was troubled. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever just been so upset about something that you had no words to say? And your words, you know, wouldn't have, wouldn't have done any justice to what you had in your heart. And instead of praying words to God, you just turned to him and you looked at him and there was such a groaning in your heart or a pain in your heart, and, and, and you just directed that, 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 that sense or that feeling on the inside toward God. Do you know that God hears that kind of praying? God hears, the Bible says, Psalms 102, He looked down from His holy place, He watched the earth from heaven to hear the loud cries or the groaning of those in prison and to set free those who were being sent to death. God hears that kind of praying. When you're so hurt on the inside and you have no words, I am going to tell you, I'm here to tell you today that your father hears that kind of praying. He sees your heart and he sees that the deepest part of you is calling and meeting with the deepest part of him and he is touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Don't think that God doesn't hear you when you're hurting and when you're praying. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that somewhere in Psalms that the, it's the broken in heart. They're the ones that are close to him. He revives the brokenhearted. And it's, so it says here, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Jesus said, words in red, where have you laid him? Like, where is Lazarus? Okay, we know he's dead four days. Where have you laid him? Take me to the tomb. And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Revelation says that God has put all your tears in a bottle. I've got good news for someone today who's listening to this. Okay? Weeping may endure for a moment, but this too will pass. God hears your prayers. God hears the groanings of your heart and he has seen your tears and he is going to provide for you a way of escape. 
the father heard his prayers and he didn't say a word to the father. We don't see Jesus praying words to the father. What was happening is it was the attitude of his heart to the father. It was his prayers going up into the throne of God and his prayers through this attitude had a voice. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Now, this is what he said. Verse 41. He said, take away the stone. Didn't I tell you from day one that if you'd believe, if you'd just believe, you would see the glory of God. They took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And this is what he said. Now, remember, he uttered no words to the Father that we see recorded in Scripture. He just groaned and he had tears. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who stand by said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Are you listening to what I'm saying right now? Are you listening to what the Holy Spirit is teaching you? He taught me this yet the other day when I was teaching you. He said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And this is what happened. And he who was dead came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him, meaning Lazarus, and let him go. He raised the dead. The guy had been dead four days. And then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed in him. My friend, dead things will come out of those times of prayer when you cry out to God. If there's something in your life that's dead and you've been groaning like the prisoner, like this scripture that I gave you, and you've been crying out to God, I have good news for you. God is going to resurrect that thing. You just need to believe him and receive the words that he said. And remember, God hears you. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Project podcast. For more content, video, and teachings like this, visit margieflorent.org.